every one of us, and I can identify with this, we have this voice from our our insecure self, right? That says, wow, was that good enough? Am I good enough? Mm -hmm. What am I doing writing a book? (laughs) I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these voices. and, And the important thing is, is to obviously to recognize them and hear them and acknowledge them. But then, to you know, I like what Tom says at times is to have some reasonable doubt that they might be wrong. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. I'm uh, the the podcast. Emotional Sobriety is a large <laughs> topic, so it's not just this is the podcast. It's, you know, this is where emotional sobriety resides. I'm Tom Rutledge. I'm uh, already having fun, obviously. Uh, here with Patrick Newman, our, our wonderful producer. And, and, uh, we didn't have you last time we recorded. So, I mean, it may be, it may not show up. I don't know how these things are released, but, but we've missed you. I don't know if, if you know, I people have, you. may not miss you out there, but we've, we've missed you. And we're glad I, to have you back. I, Alan. I, w- I was on an airplane coming back from California, flying yeah. Philadelphia, flying to my now flying to your, to your, to your new home. That's right. Hometown Philly. Uh-huh. Was that the first time you'd been back uh, since you moved? Yes. It is the first time I was back, and it was delightful. I had a great trip, Los Gatos, the program up there, Embodied Recovery. They're doing some phenomenal work. There's uh, two guys, Michael and Greg, that are the the co-founders of the program. And the, in the, this is, they remind me of, of myself when I was young. They were so open to learning, mm. wanting to bring in the best they can to the program, and they they integrate the emotional sobriety stuff along with Korean um, Dao. They work with Master Kim, who's a Korean. He teaches Sundo, which is an approach to Korean Dao, Taoism. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it's, it's a really great integration because, you know, so much of Taoism is taking care of your breath and breathing yeah. and being flexible in your body and being centered. They talk about staying centered, right? Yeah. All the time. And so I got to do a workshop up there on emotional sobriety and master Kim sat in and he got up and, and shared and contributed to the workshop. And I sat in his, and it was really a really nice, nice experience. And I'll tell you, I I'm very impressed with programs like that, that I see really integrating like some Eastern and Western, you know, philosophies and psychotherapy. And they're doing a great job, man. It's I I hope the program, it's already on the way. I hope they continue to enjoy success. Well, that sounds wonderful. It's like, and and we had some people show up from our Thursday night meeting, came up to my book. I had a book. Oh, great. And some people even signed up for the emotional sobriety workshop. So three or four people came from, the Thursday night meeting to, to participate in the events up there. And it was wonderful. Our community is growing and, Mm -hmm. and active. It's very cool. 
Well, yeah, I have the, you know, I have a good, I have a fantasy that basically, you know, we get this, we get to where we're all traveling freely and can go where we want to go and don't have to worry about all this other stuff that, that, you know, we, we could uh, do some things where we get to meet a lot of those people, uh, in yeah, person, have a retreat, I, right. You know, we'll do, yeah, I just, I just, I love that group. And I think having for three or four days of work, let's come together, let's come together. And, yeah. And then yeah. they'll come, they'll come, they'll get to know us personally. And then the, the numbers for that group will just drop off after that. If they really know <laughs> and nobody will ever come back to the Thursday group, but it'll be great. So how are you doing, Patrick? Uh, you know what today? Uh, I just uh, get this rush when we have our Sunday recordings and um, I feel I'm able to be of service and I'm able to uh, kind of use the energy, uh, harness my energy for the power of good. And uh uh, which is a, my way of saying that it, it can be a little dicey around the middle of the week. Um, but uh, my girlfriend's visiting with her cats for, uh, for the next uh, stretch of time. And uh, uh, we're going to try out uh, couples counseling on Monday for the first time. So very excited about that. Great. That's so cool. It's like so many people think that's something you do as a last resort. The idea that you do it as a part of maintenance and building and learning about how to be in a relationship is such a powerful thing. That's great. Right. And I just wanted to say, uh, I really enjoyed uh, our episode last week with just us, Tom. And I'm uh, moving through a lot of my insecurity about my radio voice and uh, performance and just... uh, you know, uh, taking, uh, the thoughts in my head and kind of, you know, it's, it's a whole process of getting them, uh, you know, into the show in a way that's, uh, digestible and, uh, polished for the viewers. And, uh, all of this is happening in real time and it's definitely testing my post-production metal as well. So, uh, but you very rarely helped me with facilitating that and, uh, also helping me get through some self hurdles of self-consciousness that I really appreciate. So, uh, you know, yeah. You've done that. You've done the same for me in a lot of ways and too. So, the, but the idea with that is that, uh, yeah, I was really, I really appreciate you letting me know kind of some of the stuff you were working with and, you know, and, you know, when you talk about polish, one of the things I think about for, for, for what we're doing here is, is I think one of the coolest things about this podcast is this, you know, this it's, uh, whatever any one of us might do that, that somebody would describe as polished. And I'm pretty sure nobody would ever describe anything I ever said in speaking terms as polished, but it's not polished. It's raw. It's like, I, you know, and I think our conversation last time, our last time is a really good example of that because, you know, I came into that saying, I don't know, I don't know about this subject. I don't know how, you know, and, and what I, you know, what I, I, the short version is I told you in a text afterwards, I told you I was emotionally tipsy, wasn't fully sober. And so you drove and I, you know, and I appreciated you taking me through that and through the content part of that, that process. And I, and I love, I love the fact that, and this is one of the things I've loved about working with you, Alan, through, through the years is, is that, is that we, we just very often come up with shit right there on the spot you know, that we neither one have exa- thought about, or we br- bring something into it there. We put two things together that we've never done. And, and so that's, that's what that's, that conversation felt like to me. And I love the fact that you and I can do that. Well, it, uh, it's, it is, it's the creative process. It was like when I came up on those unusual suspects with step eight. Oh, well, yeah. That yeah. That was part of that grew out of our work together and the, the conversation. Right. You can see the light bulbs coming up, you know, it's like, ah, look at yeah. this. Yeah. 
So, but anyway, thank you. I enjoyed it too, Patrick. Thank you very much. It's, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I love the fact that your girlfriend travels with, with her cats because, because I'm such an animal person, cat person here. And, and it's like, uh, and, uh, yeah, cats are great. Every one of us, and I can identify with this, we have this voice uh, from our, our insecure self, right? That says, wow, was that good enough? Am I good enough? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is what I do even mm-hmm. worth doing a podcast mm-hmm. over? You know, mm-hmm. at, at, what am I doing writing a book? <laughs> I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these voices. And, and the important thing is, is to obviously to recognize them and hear them and acknowledge them. But then, to you know, I like what Tom says at times is to have some reasonable doubt that they might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's reasonable doubt. If you can totally, you know, object, wonderful. If you can say, mm-hmm. look, I know you said that to me long ago, and I know you're wherever you're stuck mm-hmm. at, you're stuck at. And and I'll, I'll see that you need some soothing, but I'm not buying into this stuff that I got nothing to say because I know I do now. But 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 we're, however we deal with that part of ourselves, we are in relationship with it. Yeah. And, and that's what and in one way, this is the, the point to pivot on with this focus that we're having and and is is now looking at. And I, and I love the, the awareness. You had one of those this last Thursday when you said, look, up to step seven, we've been looking at the intrapersonal, our mm-hmm. relationship with ourselves and with mm-hmm. life and how we deal with it, et cetera. Right. Now we're pivoting to the interpersonal. Right. And we're taking what we've learned from our relationship with ourselves and now trying to bring that and use that as a foundation, you know, as as a stepping stone, as a springboard into our relationship with others. Yes. And I think that that was really I loved how you framed it with that. Mm-hmm. You know that that yeah. was one of those. Thanks, yeah. that was one of those moments that you're yeah, talking. You're right. You're ab- absolutely. Yeah. God, I just realized. We've been I did. Talking. I just realized that's the moment. I go, oh, I get. Oh, it's fun when you're teaching. When you're supposedly teaching something, and you realize you're going like, oh, I just got this. You know, it's like it's it's. Uh, but I tell you what, that's one of the things I also just say as an aside. And I'll, I'll do the. I'll use this as my check in today, just because it's just a good personal note about why I love doing what we do. Is stay in stay in that fresh and staying that involved in the 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 process being continuing to be like those two fellas that you talked about with the with the program uh that you just came from being you know the beginner's mind you know it's 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 always learning and always wanting to learn and stuff like that and and what i can say is that's that's a big reason there there may be a couple of others but that's a giant reason that i do not i have not experienced burnout in my in my career it's like I I, I, can get, I experience being tired and worn out and, and needing to take breaks and stuff like that, but not burnout for the career. It's it's like because and that's one of the things that you and I uh, have you know recognized that we we actually talked about that early on when we were just doing the the workshop every two years about just how much how much uh, much more fun it was to interact and to play with each other while we're doing it. And, 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 uh, and we are just always finding different ways to do it, to keep it alive for us so that we can st- still be excited about teaching it. Yeah. You know, you, you put your finger on something and I, I think there's, there's a couple different things. I do think because we are also of the beginner's mind mm-hmm. and this, you know, you and I continue to learn. I mean, Absolutely. I'm I'm a lot more aware of things, knowledgeable, 
in the time we've spent together during COVID, you know, you stimulate mm-hmm. me to think about mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I know it, it's mutual that, that you experience mm-hmm. yep. something very similar. I hear Patrick, it means a lot to you are getting together and, you know, you've got a, a ringside seat at all of this action that takes place here, which is fantastic. You know, I had that with my mentor, Dr. Kempler for years, mm-hmm. you know, just watching him do demonstrations sitting on countless talks. I mean, I learned and I absorbed so much from the, that experience. I suspect that uh, there will be a moment I'll look back and be like, oh, I probably, this saved my life somehow. <laughs> this is, I just have to get the vibe. Well, you know, it's, it's a funny thing because I never fully appreciated the opportunity. I mean, today I'm so grateful, yeah. but I never appreciated the opportunity of what I was walking through when I was walking through it. We value insight so much that we actually slow our own progress down by by overvaluing that conscious mind and thinking I have to have the insight when, in fact, this is where, you know, you, you know, and we say it's all in the program, too. When we hear it, it's like we act our way into these things. We don't we don't think our way into it. It's like in, in, in the insights, we, we will have it. We'll have insights and we, then we've got to translate those to practice. And when we do that, but but like what would Patrick saying about, I'll bet this will be different when I look back at it later. And it will be, it always is. We, we can't tell this story now. We'll tell, you know, if you want to, if you want to hear an accurate story about what was going on in, you know, in September of 2021, then talk to us in a while. And we can all tell a little bit about that because we have more context, but the idea is don't, don't wait around for the insight. You know, this is go back to words from the program, Do, do the next right thing. Well, look, we, we are going to pivot into, you know, we talked about that the first seven steps in the, on the Thursday mm-hmm. night meeting, we're focusing on the intrapsychic and the intrapersonal. And now we're focusing on the interpersonal. And this topic here that we've started mm-hmm. a discussion of is so critical and so essential to emotional sobriety. It really, in, in some ways, we could say it's at the heart of the matter. Right. And, and why is that so? Because... I think there's nowhere else that our expectations about how things should be show up so so poignantly at times is that mm-hmm. in terms of our relationships Absolutely. and how how what happens in our relationships, how we function in our relationships, how we react to what's going on in our relationships, and so you know it's it's really so critical to use the experience we're having um, to be able to learn from this. And, you know, that's one of the things I'm going to say next week when we start to dig more into step nine is that one of the things we're learning in step eight and nine is to stay closely connected to our experience. Mm -hmm. And and I want to, I want to talk about that in terms of this issue about not taking things personally. Now, it may seem strange to say, well, how can I not be connected to my experience? I'm living it. But as we've talked about, we haven't lived it. Many of us have been in a trance and we've been asleep at the, at the wheel. We yeah. haven't been living it. We've just, you know, been on, you know, automatic pilot where we, you know, people criticize, you know, modern man as, as and woman as automatons. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, just caught in the the big trance and doing what we're supposed going to work, paying our bills, consuming goods, buying more goods. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that we're just caught in this, what do they call it? The, 
the rat race, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we're on this hamster wheel, man, just mm-hmm. trying to run as fast as we can. And at some point in time, you know, we get off the wheel and say, wait, and just like you were saying, Tom, what have I been doing? I've been running on this wheel for years mm-hmm. and I never even asked myself if I want to be on the wheel. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, and in terms of what you're saying about the, about, about the, taking the things personally is, is you say not being, you know, think, thinking, well, how could I not be, I love that. How, how could I not be connected to my experience? Well, it's yeah, but it's what experience are you connected to? Because yeah, so often go. what we find is is that what we're what we are is we're so habitually connected to the stories we we have yes. told ourselves that we all the stories these little and very often not always but the saboteurs in our head have told us about our, you know that put us in a certain role and yeah. so if we're like a victim role it's like then we you know we don't get a chance to learn something from an experience because we just feel that you know we've been we you know i've been hurt again by this person you know it's like okay well but you know first of all if i always tell my clients that if you know if, if the word again is coming up you want to pay attention because there's an opportunity for you to ask the question about how am i the common denominator in my my pain and discomfort in relationships and it doesn't mean other people get off the hook but it's like what you know how am i how am i making my how am i making myself at least more vulnerable yes to these kinds of things and so it's the examination it's what you said was you use the term using the relationship and it's like you know a lot of times we we use that like use they can say well that sounds kind of hard but it's like no this is it's alert these are learning opportunities right you know look the you know learning opportunities another phrase you use a lot of like learning opportunity for 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 searching for new possibilities yeah. it's like and that's and so yeah you're connected to your to your your uh, experience but let's get closer to it and you're going to find out there's a there's a deeper experience beneath that sort of almost that well not almost that habitual experience and and we could describe recovery based on what you're saying which i i totally agree with as now a restoration, a recovery of the ability to learn. You see, in one, one that. thing yeah. that stands out so clearly, I mean, I, I remember being in um, graduate school and I was writing a paper, a personality. It was a graduate seminar in personality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the issue I was writing about, the whole focus of the, this paper was, is there an alcoholic personality? Because we hear that all the time. You know, that's an alcoholic personality. Well, I know what people, I think, are saying when they say that, that they see common characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. Like our self-centeredness and stuff. But there was no alcoholic personality, meaning that introverts can become alcoholic. Extroverts can. Mm-hmm. Somebody high on the psychopathic deviant scale can be an alcoholic. Somebody mm-hmm. low on the psychopathic mm-hmm. deviant scale can become an alcoholic. Everybody's Somebody- welcome. Everybody's got <laughs> somebody that's got high anxiety, somebody that's got low anxiety. Low anxiety. People that are depressed are not depressed. See, we don't discriminate. I you think I'm I'm thinking we're gonna need Patrick for this one, but I think this is gonna to have to be a rap song. It's like it's oh, like yeah. it's <laughs> well, I was just you thinking know, psycho right? psychopathic yeah. deviant. That's like a an elite designation. Look, <laughs> look, look, young people become alcoholics. Some people, Old people. drop until they get in their 60s, 
and they have late onset alcoholism mm-hmm. or addiction. I, I mean, it's 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 an amazing dumb people, smart people. people. Oh, yeah, now we go on that dimension. <laughs> you can have a high IQ and you can have a low IQ. You can be emotionally intelligent, emotionally unintelligent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be sensitive, not sensitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Or like you said before, we can fall out of one side of bed. You can be arrogant or you can have negative arrogance. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the biggest piece of shit in the room. Yeah, I'm the, right? Right. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> some, somehow I'm special, though. It's like, that's right. Yeah, it's always it's like and yeah. it's. But here's the wonderful thing that I discovered when I wrote this paper is the thing that that differentiates us. But I don't think as much so now. If I read that read that paper, I'd say it different. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stood out is that alcoholics slash addicts, because alcoholics are you know addicted to alcohol, which is a drug. But mm-hmm. addicts do not learn from their experience, and that's why it's mm-hmm. so common you hear in the program to say, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing. We say expecting different results. Different, but. but- but I say better results. We yeah, expect, we're you know, it's better, I, different. We think yeah. they're going to be better this time around, yeah, and that's yeah. the the disconnection. You know, talk about right because wanted. we because we our delusion there is that that's we right. are we are learning. It's yeah. like that's because that's exactly yeah, that's I'll just exa- not drink exactly after. It. I won't drink before five. That's what I yeah. That, that right. I'm what, yeah. One of the things I teach people, like especially family about stuff like that, is that, you know, after a while, you, you, you know, you think we're simply just bullshitting you all the time. But, you know, we're, and by the way, we can. But but uh, but those lessons that we that we think we learn when we say never again, even if it's something as silly as never again, that brand of tequila, you know, I actually think I'm learning, you know, I mean, how many times we heard this stuff? Well, I just need to drink beer, not, not hard liquor. That's the thing. It's like, it's it's like, you know, I mean, those are, those are sincere, you know, beliefs that we learn these things. We think we've learned what we need to learn. And it's, and it's like, uh, you know, and then that's that's the difference. You're right. That's the difference between an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic, because because the non-alcoholic is somebody who just experiences a, a, a alcohol abuse and has consequences for it. They actually do learn those experiences, make changes and then hold on to them. We 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 have the same insights. We have this. We make the same decisions. And then we find then, then the lawyer in our head, which is yeah. the denial, finds a way to talk us into getting back. You, for me, usually by noon the next day. That's right. Oh, it's so it's so true. Now, when I said I would probably modify that, because I do think that that's that if you're going to emotionally mature, and I think this relates to emotional well-being, it's so important to pay attention to your experience and learn what you can from it. And that's what we're promoting with emotional sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we're yep. saying. God, if I pay attention to when I get upset or if I pay attention to taking something personally, that's a very, there's a wealth of information available to me if I'm willing to open myself up to what it means and start to unpack the experience. See, and that's what we're promoting is if you stay in close contact with your experience and you know, what do you call it? Being vulnerable. That's another way to think about it. If you stay in close contact and are willing to be open to what it's telling you, you will start to see who you are and who you're not, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. And I, and I love what Don Miguel Ruiz says, because before we started today, Patrick commented, you know, Alan, in this chapter, you quote him a lot. 
And I do because he was the first person that I could find um, that really spent a whole chapter on talking about stop taking things personally. In his book, The Four Agreements, his second agreement is don't, don't, take, take, things, don't take things personally <laughs> and, and stop taking things personally. And he goes into it. And one of the things he says, one of, he calls it what creates the dream of hell. And I love the way he phrases mm-hmm. yeah. that. What creates the dream of hell is our personal importance, that we think that everything is about us. So when we start to think, well, what's, what is it that goes on? What is the origin of taking things personally? Well, it's because we're raised to think about that everything that happens is about us. This is a culture of narcissism. And whether it's narcissism in the arrogant type that we talked about or the negative arrogance that Tom mm-hmm. talks mm-hmm. about in terms of turning things around on you and you're, and now it's all about you in, in a negative way, mm-hmm. we all take things personally mm-hmm. in, this, in this society that we live in and this culture we live in. And that's the setup, because as soon as I take things personally, I'm looking at what does that person's comment mean about me? Right. Dr. David Snarch calls it a reflected self-image, is we see Mm -hmm. in somebody else's behavior, we think the image of what they think about us. Mm -hmm. So so instead of seeing it as, as who this person is, we see it as how this person feels about us. So back to personal importance. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's all about me. What's that joke? You're at dinner with someone and, you know, the narcissist is sitting there. Well, look, I've been spending the last hour talking about me. Enough about that. Tell me what you think about me. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the Bat Midler line. You know, let's, let, let me have you talk about me for a while. Right, I mean, right, it's right. like, but we do this. We laugh about it and we joke about it and we say these things. But the truth is, is that we are constantly on the lookout for approval or disapproval. Okay, so tell me, say, say the term again, the self-reflective. What, Reflected what? self-image. Now, now, who is that that says this? Dr. David Snarch. Now, I can only imagine the abuse he got growing up with that, that last Yeah, name. he was. Hey, uh, Mr. Dr. Hey, David Snatch. You know, I was a hamburger and a cheeseburger and <laughs> yeah. burger with this and burger with that. I mean, <laughs> David got it, too. I can tell. Yeah. David yeah. Well, it, a it, reflected self-image. One of the things we learned, and this is one of those really process oriented things as opposed to content, is. In growing up, and this is not this is not to to dis parent any particular thing about parent. Don't want parents to take this personally, but it's like the idea we actually you know that's one of the ways we learn that we figure out who we are is the mirror. The the parent is the mirror, and so the idea is, and one of the things you've talked about in in that is talking about you know even very positive reflections back to your kids can still be about yourself. Right. Without you knowing it, you know, that, you know, as, as opposed to and you talk about making that extra effort to to make to make your reflection back to your child about them. So so it makes sense that we also grow up learning to learning to to create our self-image according to this reflective process. Right. And so we're still that's where we learn to look for right. who we are, as opposed to looking inside first. Yeah, right. Because if if my sense of self depends on your validation, right, what we call other validated self-esteem, right. then of course 
what you're doing and how you're behaving becomes so critical to my experience of myself. Yes. Because I am so emotionally dependent on what you're doing to f- in terms of my feeling about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me let me say this here, because this is this really brings it home for me, because that's easy. That's easier. My experience is it's easier for people to get who who can look back at their families and realize they got a lot of negative crap from 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 their families or they got neglected and didn't get information. But it's confusing for people who did not get. And I'm one of these people who did not get did not look back and find people said negative things. I did not get anything negatively reflected back from my parents. I got quite the opposite. I was the pedestal kid. I, you know, I would, my siblings were all pissed off at me because I could do the same thing they did. They would get in trouble. I would, they would just laugh and say in Tommy funny and creative, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, get, get build a little resentment with that kind of stuff. But one of the things I've told people for a long time is it is, you may, you may envy the p- person on the pedestal, but it is still what you are still learning is conditional is like what you're learning is without even knowing it, you're learning that if I am not all these great things, then I, I have no idea who I am. I am nothing. It's like, so the idea is, is no, this, and so that's the thing. It's like, you get, even though it's positively reflected back, it's still not about me. It's about how I'm being, how I'm, what, what response I can, can get from other people. Exactly. And I was so, I was so addicted to that. Both sides of that. So if you yep. didn't get that, then yep. you're looking at other people, you know, in hopes that you might get it, but, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but still, it's still other validated because yep. now you're yep. craving it, yep. right? My God, I never got it. And the other side is, yeah. I'm, I live in, I live in total without, un, it's unconscious at first. I live in total conscious. fear of, of losing it because I, you know, because right. I don't have the capacity inside myself to, to do, to, you use this term in this chapter. And it's, you know, one of my favorite phrases of yours is holding on to myself. I don't even, at that point, I don't even have a self to hold on to besides be yeah. beyond what other people are feeding back to me. Yeah. I, um, when I hear stay with the experience, I hear stay with the pain. And I mm-hmm. think what I was going through, um, in my addiction was, uh, completely contrary to that. I was just, uh, refusing to stay with, uh, any grief that I was feeling any, um, you know, sense of, uh, pain or loss. And what that did was it really, that that's, you know, towards the end, I was like, I'm just really not present at all in this thing of life. you, you, You pointed out something so important, Patrick, you know, we talk all the time about the biological or genetic you know, predisposition to becoming an alcoholic or an addict. But I do think that there are also these cultural or societal or psychological setups, like, you know, life is about not being in pain, right? right? That if you're, that life should be, that, that life should, shouldn't be difficult. You know, it should be easy for us and we, we shouldn't have any pain. We should be able to zip through life and feel good all the time. So then we get obsessed with these things and boy, does that feed the addiction or what? Well, and the other piece that happens is if we're not, if we're not feeling, expressing our pain, our feet, especially at a, at a feeling level, at a hum- emotional right. level, emotions don't exist in time. It's events that, that create them, That's you right. know, do, but, but emotions stay with us all the time. So 
they're either expressed or not expressed. They're either processed or not processed. So, so that basically by when Patrick, tell me if this fits for you, but it's like, by the time you're, when you're into that, into your addiction and you're avoiding the pain, it's like, you're not just avoiding the pain of the day or the, or the week, whatever you're, you're avoiding this, this constipation of all this pain that is stored up inside of you. So the idea that's one of the, and that's one of the things that I think that as therapists that we and, and support people in recovery do for people is we, it's almost like we're kind of a midwife or something where we're saying basically stay with it, stay with it. And we're there to say, it's going to be worth it. There's, there's, there's something really good on the other side, because part of the reason that you don't do that when you were, where you were Patrick is what, where's the motivation? No, you know, does anybody, is anybody giving you the information that says, by the way, there's something really wonderful on the other side of this pain. Yeah. Right. There's no information being transmitted in that state. And, um, you know, so the most the most intelligent thing to do is to avoid it. It's actually the smartest move given what you I mean. That's the that's the best decision given what you have at that time. Right, and I think um, this emotional sobriety thing is about uh, sitting with it and learning it, and uh, you know, growing. I, I I was calling it growing the container, growing the container of self. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it. Um, I like that, and uh, that's. I'm glad that we just include that in the fine print though, when it comes to getting people sober, because if they knew that they'd have to be sitting with a lot of pain on the other side of that, I think there are fewer people be willing to take the leap. Oh, it's, I mean, you know, one of the, yeah, one of my, one of my little nutshells says, you know, just because you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel doesn't mean it's not there. Right. And, and, you know, and I'll, I'll use the image. I'll say that let's see if I'm sitting and talking to a client, it's, it's you know, and this, obviously this only works when somebody already, you can build some trust, but I'll say like, imagine you're in a tunnel and it's just pitch black ahead. You can't see anything. So where's the motivation to move ahead? I say, but if you can hear my voice, I want you to just keep coming to my voice. Cause I, what I described to them is I'm standing at a, at a, at a, a 90 degree, uh, turn here, a right angle turn. And I'm saying, you know, because of my experience before with, with, with myself and with other people, I can see the light at the end of your tunnel. There are times where we can see it for each other. Yeah. And it's like, just keep coming to my voice. You will see it. But what I'm asking you to do right now is just trust me that I see it. And that's hard. That's a hard trust, but it's, it's, you know, most of us have stories that we take that metaphor and look back at it and go like, well, no, there have been some people that I have done that with. I've just, I have decided to trust this person and, and go, but cause there has, that, uh, how else will we find the motivation to go through the pain? Cause going through pain for its own sake, fuck that. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty secular, but, um, you know, fear and faith, I do believe that those are the <laughs> two polarities and, um, yeah. I've only ever gotten somewhere good when I'm operating on faith. And yeah. Oh, that's you know, I, I just wrote down a little thing as you guys were talking, which goes to this, to what, to the heart of the matter that we're talking about. I says in life, we are either coping with our emotions or being lived by our emotions. Yes. It's yes. one or the other, right? You were coping with these things and that's what this not taking things personally is about. Mm-hmm. We're learning how to cope with the feelings we're having instead of being lived by them. When I'm con- and specifically them. consciously coping. That's right. It's, that's it's, it. it's like, we're, because, we're, because the, the idea is all these other things are, are coping mechanisms, but it's like, what we're doing is, is we're, we're, you know, this is that place where I always say we're, we don't control a lot of things, but we are in, always in charge. And so what you're saying is, you know, 
Well, I have, you know, I am, I am going to be aware. Well, it's what you started out off with is, is, are you in touch with your experience? Yeah. Are consciously? you, are you, are you close? Are you staying closely connected to your experience? But just stay with this for a minute, Tom, because what you're saying is right on. See, see, we, we've talked about before is that, that human beings, we are always striving for wholeness and completeness. There, there's no question yes. about it. I mean, uh, you know, I love what you even said is that somehow the universe is even going towards that is towards, mm -hmm. you know, now trying to find some way to get complete. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and holiness. It's so funny. We use that word mm -hmm. that's connected to being whole, right. Mm -hmm. Holiness, right. In, mm -hmm. in terms of talking about religions and spirituality, <laughs> Well, even in my reaction to my emotions, so let's say Patrick says something, I take it personally, and I try to now, you know, fault Patrick for what he said, instead of coping with the feelings I'm having, I'm going to blame them on him mm -hmm. and try to get him to change his mind. I'm trying to take care of myself through that manipulation, through right. trying to now get Patrick to do things the way I think he should do them so I don't feel uncomfortable. Right. Patrick, you shouldn't have said that. That's not sensitive. You're not respecting me. Whatever unenforceable rule mm -hmm. I lay on him to try to get him to do what I want. But but in this chapter, what we're learning, instead of trying to change someone else to do what we want to do, we learn mm -hmm. to cope with the feeling that we're having. God, I took that yeah. personally. What is that about? That's yeah. interesting. So we bring and we've been talking about this a lot and I love it, Tom. The antidote here, mm -hmm. a part of the antidote, part mm -hmm. of the ingredient mm -hmm. is curiosity. Yep. What is going on? And I'm taking this so personally. Well, in your book, I'm looking at your book and, and, and it's like uh, one of the little, little lines that you have in the black squares. Um, it says, because it fits exactly what I was thinking before we started uh, on, on page 123. Uh, in, in, instead of taking what others are saying personally, we need to ask ourselves, what am I learning about this person? And then the, the thing I, I made the note in, in the margin that says, and exactly what you said, and what am I learning about myself? That's right. That's yeah. right. See, that's the thing here. So I'm learning that, my God, I was dependent on you for how I feel about myself, and I'm letting you define me. Right. What happened? How did I get to the point where I've shifted my emotional center of gravity to you. Mm -hmm. How did I give that to you? What makes me, you know, abdicate that and put it in someone else? See, questions like that, you know, we, we call these making, making the right inquiry. Mm -hmm. Not into why are you such an asshole, but why am I so reactive? Right. right? I mean, that's the right inquiry. Well, and we're the we're the common denominator. It's like yeah. when we, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, how often are you surprised sometimes by and, and I'm sure it's been us at times when we haven't been aware of it. But but by by, you know, somebody you talk to that that basically is to tell you one story after the other about how they get hurt or mistreated. And but they're very similar stories. And, and it has it has literally not occurred to them that they're the one that it keeps happening to. 
You know, it's it's like, you know, it's not it's not that this person that is hurting you this time is the one going around hurting everybody all the time. Maybe that's the case. Sometimes some people are just assholes. But but and that's and that's where what did you want to learn about that person? Well, that's, to stay away from them. It's so important to not take it personally. If you're if you're dealing with that's, an asshole, that's I mean, that becomes a pure survival. Oh, man, that's that that's <laughs> that that my friend is a, is a simple but really powerful thing to to point out. It's like the idea is he's such an asshole and go like, like, well, I, I love that response. I'm gonna, I look, I'll look for an opportunity to use it to go like all the more reason to not take it personally. That's right. You know, all the more. Because reason. what you're saying is he's saying it because of who he is, not because of who you are. That's right. That's right. And that unhooking, see that that's the word phrase Bill Wilson used in his letter, mm-hmm. unhooking these things. Mm-hmm. That's unhooking ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's differentiating ourselves in a very, very, very good way. So. This becomes so important. And and you know what? Look, last Thursday, we were talking about what we're learning in terms of relationships and Mm -hmm. that and that the formula that we we used to operate was if something's wrong, I try to figure out, you know, you know, that, you know, who's the source of the problem? I Mm -hmm. focus on blaming. So I'll blame myself for you. Mm -hmm. If I blame myself, then what's wrong with me that that the person is treating me this way? Mm -hmm. If I blame you, what's wrong with you that you're treating me this way? Mm -hmm. Emotional sobriety is about dumping all of that. It's like, that's all irrelevant. Doesn't matter who's to fault here. The issue becomes is what's going on that I'm taking this personally and how, how can I unhook myself from yes. what you're doing, how can I differentiate myself? And so that becomes the important thing. And what we were seeing in steps eight and nine is we're looking at what's going on with us first and then what we can do to change it. Now, we're not looking at what's wrong with us in the sense of I'm responsible for this. We're looking at what's wrong with me that I'm taking this so personally. That's right. what we're learning here. Well, it's all, it's all, it's also, you know, this is where I play with semantics, but I think it's very important to make it, to use, to consciously make a distinction for ourselves with the, the word blame and, and the word responsibility. Bl- blame is a way of dropping your anchor, period. It's like, it just drops your anchor. And, and if you're, if you're in a boat, <laughs> you ain't going anywhere. Or if you're, even if, even if it, the water isn't deep enough for the, for the, right for the anchor to hit the bottom, yeah. it's going to slow everything right. down. But yeah. responsibility responsibility is about forward moving. Yeah. It's like, right. then you're, yeah, we could even use the same language. We don't think we have to get caught up and say, well, I can't, well, I can't say I did something wrong. Cause right. yeah, I want to pay attention to when I do something when I think is wrong. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's better to say I could do this better this way, but there are times where I, I go like, no, that was a mistake. I want to be able to acknowledge my mistakes, but, but the, 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 the feeling difference of responsibility and blame is enormous. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, it's yeah, you actually have better. I, if I, you know, it's one of the reasons I always tell people that, that, uh, that I like, you know, I, I, you know, I, that I can, I feel really, really great about the, my, my ability to have humility, yeah. you know? So, I, you know, we, we've laughed about the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm arrogant about my humility. It's, 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 it's like, but it's the truth is it's such a powerful thing yeah. is that, that I, that I know that I, I can feel good about myself in terms of what, how I might do, do better tomorrow, even if I don't know what's to come because of that, you know, it's, and somebody mentioned that in the, uh, in the Thursday group too, is the little nutshell that I came up with recently that says, I, when I don't know what to do, I know what to do. 
And it's like, and that's one of those things when I don't know what to do. And I know that I'm, something's about me. I know, I know I need to stop. I need to, I need to yes. reconnect like you're saying to my experience. Yeah. And, 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 and everything is information is one of my favorite lines. That I repeat to clients all the time. Right. Everything is information. And how can you use that information to learn and to keep moving forward? Yep. That's right on. That is right, right on, man. Right on. So look, I, what I'm feeling at this point in time, or what it seems to me is that, you know, we've set this up nicely. We've teed things up. Let's make our next podcast about now, how do we, how do we deal with taking things personally? And how do we unpack that whole experience and unhook ourselves? So let's focus on that next okay. time, Patrick. Actually, that actually, that's good. Actually, you know, taking it somewhat out of the abstract and putting it into the practice. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. That's great. Let's just do that. Let's, let's focus on that in our next podcast and we'll see you guys uh, at our next show. Sounds Perfect. like a plan until next time. Till next time. Peace out. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Been with glass in hand and children on one Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human. Never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing will entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends. Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me